Chapter Fourteen of Kilgloom Park by Neil Boyton S. J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Fourteen Ghost Money. Within the circus side shows, Colonel Sewell, the inside lecturer, was just concluding his talk on the boxing triplets. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed with pleasure the bout between Washington and Roosevelt Lee. The other triplet, Lincoln, was the third man in the ring. That concludes our tour of the sideshows. If those who came in late will please step over to the platform of Princess Might, the next tour will start right away. I thank you. The inside lecturer stepped down from his stand, and the Saturday afternoon crowd drifted away from the roped ring. Lincoln Lee, in white shirts and white longs, his referee costume, swung himself down from the ring and grinned up into the face of a man who was saying, your brother's fight had more action than I've seen sometimes in Madison Square Garden. Sure it did, sir, Lincoln told the man. They were settling an argument those three rounds. Roosevelt Blaine washed for telling Dad on him about, oh, about something. That's why you saw all the action. Lincoln ducked under the arm of a lady and walked along the eastern edge of the platforms. Just beyond the platform of the iron-jawed man, he noticed an envelope. Lincoln picked it up and crumpled it, unnoticed, into his pants pocket. When he came to his trunk in the dressing room, he looked around to see if he was observed. The only other occupant of the room at the time was his father, deep in the sporting section of an evening paper. It seemed safe to investigate his find. Lincoln saw something written across the face of the wrinkled envelope. He smoothed this out and read, Please say a mass for the holy souls in honor of the little flower. The triplet reread this strange request, and it meant nothing to him, except that he had a faint suspicion it sounded like something Catholic. He squeezed the envelope with his forefinger and thumb. It felt like a bill there. Quickly, Lincoln Lee looked up. His father's face was buried in the sporting page. Nobody else had entered the dressing room. The boy slipped the edge of the envelope, and his eyes glistened as he extracted a crisp, folded $5 bill. Further research in the envelope revealed nothing. Lincoln again looked at the strange message on the envelope. Yes, there is something Catholic about that message, he thought as he thrust it into his pocket. Delighted with his good luck, Lincoln Lee slipped back to the sideshows. He climbed on his platform and took his place on the exhibition alongside his brothers. Again he refereed three rounds. Then it was supper time, and Lincoln, keeping his discovery to himself, folded his meal and strolled out into the park. He sighted Angela with Buddy on his shoulder and Ferocity at his heel, and he hailed the boy. Say, young Daly, I want to ask you something. Suspiciously, Angela looked straight at the triplet. Well, if you three are in any new trouble, don't come to me. Just why Captain hasn't thrown you in your squared ring out of Kilgloom Park months ago, I don't know. Frankly, Angela scowled at this Lee and included the absent Lees in that generous scowl. Lincoln took a playful pass at the small boy, inviting, Wipe that frown off your face. I don't like it. Angelo and Ducking almost unperched the small monkey. Buddy chattered his displeasure at both boys. No, Lincoln continued, this has nothing to do with trouble. But I want to ask you, what do you Catholics mean when you say, Say a mass for the holy souls in honor of some flower? A mass for the holy souls in honor of some flower? You must mean the little flower, St. Teresa. Angela repeated, puzzled. Maybe that's it. What does that mean? Why do you want to know that? 
demanded Angelo suspiciously. Oh, can't a fellow just be curious? Yes, but not that way. Angelo showed his perplexity by scratching his head. Soon he had an idea. Let me see the paper on which it says that, he requested. The ruse worked, for innocently Lincoln Lee reached his hand into his pants pocket and brought out the crumpled envelope. Angelo Daly smoothed out the front of the envelope and read the message. Where did you get this? I found it. But where? Lincoln told the truth. In the side shows by the foot of the iron-jawed man's platform. Any money in it? Money? No. You mean yes. Why do you say that? Well, whoever lost this envelope had a stipend in it. A what? He or she intended to give it to a priest to have him say mass for the holy souls, for people who are dead. Lincoln Lee caught at an idea. These holy souls are ghosts, aren't they? You might call them that. This put an entirely new interpretation on the found money. Then they may come at midnight to get their money back, eh? Angelo saw what was in Lee's mind, and he decided to play on his superstition. Stranger things than that have happened at midnight. And as a parting shot, I would not fool with what belongs to ghosts if I were you. I remember hearing once. Here one of the animal men yelled at Angelo that there was a big free-for-all fight going on in the jungle scene, and this news of his monkey charges drove all ghosts out of his mind for the present. It was after the park had closed down that night, and Angelo, in company with G.T., Wish, and Chubby Kramer, were having their good-night dip in the deserted old swimming-hole pole that he remembered the matter of the stipend money. He told the others as they were drying off. G.T. listened attentively to his smaller brother, and then said, Well, we can't force Lincoln Lee to give that stipend money he found to a priest, but we might try a little persuasion on him. How's that? Angela wanted to know. I have an idea if Lincoln could see a ghost, he'd be more anxious to get rid of that money. And in a hurry, too, grinned Angelo, pulling on his shirt. Those triplets sleep in the end room back of the sideshows, suggested Chubby, hopefully. Yes, and Lincoln's cot is the one under the south window, Angela volunteered, with an understanding grin. I was up there with the triplets yesterday morning, when their dad made them stay in the room, because they broke something or other. How much did you lose? Chubby put in maliciously. I didn't. I won. What are you talking about, you human hill? Asked Angelo heatedly. His anger did not cool down when his brother observed. Here, it's almost two o'clock. You toddle off to bed and leave this ghost business to Chubby and wish in me. Please let me stay, G.T., and if you do, I'll give you a good idea. What is the idea? G.T. paused in his dressing. Let Wish make the ghost groans and noises. If they woke up and saw that painted eye of his, they'd be sure he was a ghost. You leave my good black eye alone, Sonny, protested Wish tolerantly. This painted eye has postponed my going back to Washington for a week or more. Angela went on. None of the triplets are familiar with his voice, and they might recognize yours for Chubb's alleged one. That's sensible. You stay up. Come on, ghosts. Hurry over to the apartments, Angelo, and borrow four sheets. Angelo was gone. He returned in a surprisingly short time with the loaned sheets. I took the one off your bed, G.T., and Chubby's. And here's my flash with the red and green colored glass. I thought you might make use of it. Wish Craig grabbed the flash. Just the thing. 
I used one of those in a ghost show down at Camp Columbus once. Look, fellows. He switched on the green glass and held the flash under his chin. The effect was ghostly beyond belief. It was nearly two now, and the big amusement park was closed down. Only the watchman's lights were on, and they gave a dimly lit appearance to the court of Kilgloom. The airships loomed overhead on one side, and the upper structure of the ferris wheel was dimly visible against the starless night. Very unobtrusively, the four boys dodged into a doorway near the restaurant. G.T. in the lead, motioning the unnecessary injunction of silence, felt along the wall till he found a ladder. This he carefully lifted and placed against the window sill of the room in which the boxing triplets slept. Then, shrouding himself in the sheet, G.T. began to climb the ladder. He paused as his head came to the top. Cautiously he raised himself inch by inch till he was able to peer into the room. A dim electric light was burning, and in its illumination he made out the cots. But a doubt assailed him, which was Lincoln's. The trio of pajama boys sleeping in the cots looked more than ever alike. Without a word he descended the ladder. "'Say, Angelo,' he whispered, "'you know the lay of the land up there better than I do. Climb up and find out which is the right cot. Lincoln's cot. There is no use scaring the wrong triplet.' "'Sure I will.' and Angelo was silently climbing up. The others watched him put one leg over the sill and draw himself without a sound into the room. Silence was unbroken. Then Angelo's feet and body appeared over the sill, and as noiselessly he descended. It's just as I said. Lincoln's sleeping in the cot to the left of this window as you look in. G.T. turned to wish Craig. Now's your time. Up you go and groan. Wait till I drape this sheet more ghost-like over your head. There, you'd scare anyone now. You know what to do? I wish I knew my lessons at Georgetown Prep as well as I do, but don't any of you fellows giggle or you'll spoil everything. As noiselessly as G.T. and Angelo wished Craig began his ascent of the ladder, he stopped under the sill to readjust his sheet, and holding the green flash under his chin, went on. Leaning half his body into the room, he groaned, Ooh, whoa. Wish repeated his ghostly groan. The boys listening below heard a startled movement, and then a frightened voice asked, What are you? I've come for my money, Wish moaned the words. Whoa! A thoroughly frightened Lincoln Lee blurted out, You're a holy soul, aren't you? Chubby started to giggle, and Angelo thoughtfully threw a sheet over the stout boy's head. The resultant sound was truly unearthly, and added to the triplet's fright. Whoa, was Wish's reply. Give that money to a Catholic boy. He'll know what to do with it. Whoa. I will, sir, came the terrified acquiescence. Wish swayed in the window, and most approved ghost fashion. Then he swayed forward, and Lincoln suddenly buried his head in the pillow. Instantly, Wish slid down the ladder. G.T. lifted it away, and the four ghosts glided silently out of the yard. Only when they were safely beyond earshot of the triplets did they give way to shouts of delight. They were still laughing hysterically when Captain Daly discovered them and ordered them to bed instantly. In the morning, G.T. saw Lincoln Lee waiting for him on Kilgloom Boulevard. He waved a friendly greeting. Lincoln opened the conversation by shoving a crumpled envelope into his hand with the request— Say, G.T., 
You're a Catholic, and you know what to do with this ghost money. What? said G.T., dissimulating perfectly. What do you mean, ghost money? That's just what I mean. I don't want to fool with Catholic ghosts any more. You give that ghost money to your pastor. Angelo told me yesterday he'll know what to do with it. T.T. suppressed a grin and solemnly accepted the ghost money. All right, Link. I'll see that Father Brophy gets it. You don't think that that ghost will come back? Ghosts never come back if you don't double-cross them. This assurance seemed to lift the weight off the triplet's mind. He confessed, I never did have any luck with anything I ever found. Once I saw a lady's sort of stick bitten in the dust when we were with the Ringling Brothers Circus several seasons ago, and I picked it up. Five minutes later, I was accused of stealing it. Dad gave me an awful licking, too. I never have any luck with anything I ever find. Shaking his head sadly, this boxing triplet walked away to seek the company of his brothers. Poor kid, commiserated G.T., pocketing the lost and found stipend for the holy souls. I wish I could get him to talk and tell me just who, which, or what he thinks visited him last night, but I better not. Later, in the break of his collections round that busy August afternoon, Angelo came up. A broad grin half-mooned his face. Do you know what, G.T.? No, what? Those Lee triplets have been telling the whole sideshows that ghosts visited them last night. It seems Washington and Roosevelt claim they heard the ghost talk. I heard Wash telling I'm a whale that the ghost had an automatic, and that fat lady lost about twenty pounds just listening to the story. I'll bet you a Hershey bar all the freaks keep awake tonight. What do you say? We visit them again tonight? But G.T. wisely put his foot down on playing a return engagement. Nothing doing. We'll let the triplets talk. It won't lose weight in the telling. They'll never suspect Wish's ghost voice. I hardly recognized him myself when he was saying, I've come for my money. And he looked worse than ghostly when that green light was switched on. That's dead right, Angelo agreed. I got scared just taking one look at him last night. Imagine waking up and seeing that. Well, that was one way to help the holy souls, concluded G.T. I'll give that stipend to Father Brophy in the morning. Come on, it's been a busy afternoon, and I am late on my rounds. Bye. I oom, growled Angelo daily, winking happily at his elder brother. End of chapter 14 Recording by Maria Therese